Hey, my friend, welcome along to the Medicinal Chef's Nutrition Nuggets podcast, helping you get clarity on nutrition. I'm Dale Pinnock, the Medicinal Chef, best-selling author, nutritionist, and creator of Nutrition Coaching Monthly. Every week here in the podcast, I'm going to be answering your questions and discussing key topics around the field of nutrition to help give you clarity and to expand your knowledge. Hey folks, how you doing? Hope you guys are good and you've had a fantastic week. Me, well, I'm happy as Larry because today, Friday, when you're hearing this, is my birthday. So I'm going to be doing absolutely nothing. And um, we were talking proper Mickey Flanagan doing nothing. Sitting around, watching a bit of telly, maybe go for a walk, having a total break away from work. So... There we go. <laughs> anyway, I just thought I'd share that piece of useless information with you. Anyway, this week I wanted to talk about something that I got a question about. And I've, I've had this question many times and I've always kind of resisted talking about it because it's just one of those things that's been around for years and doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So this question was, what are my opinions on candida? Candida overgrowth in the body. Now, this is, well, this is one that's been around for absolutely years. Now, Candida, Candida albicans is a fungus. It's a yeast. It's a yeast that does live in the body of over 90% of the population quite happily, doesn't cause any particular issue. It is part of a normal, diverse microbiome. It doesn't create any kind of issue whatsoever. But... Now and again, certain situations can allow it to get a little bit out of control. One of the most well-known ones being the infection thrush, be that oral or vaginal or whatever. The thrush infection is quite a common one where the immune system has just got just got suppressed enough for some of the areas where this fungus may grow to just start to flourish enough to cause infection. It's very transient, it's very temporary, then off it goes, doesn't cause any more problem. But since the 1980s, it was around about 1986, there was um, a book published by Dr. William Crook called The Yeast Connection that really started making these weird and wonderful claims that chronic candida overgrowth was a massive issue for so many of the population. Our modern way of living was causing candida to run riot. And then it was starting to be linked to almost every conceivable condition that you can imagine, from chronic fatigue to autoimmune conditions to sexual dysfunction to... even even some types of cancers. It was starting to get a little bit ridiculous. And now... For me personally, when you start to see one single factor being either the answer to everything or the cause of everything, it's time to put the bullshit radars on. Radars on. It really is. Bullshit raiders? Well, yeah, bullshit raiders as well. Let's all be bullshit raiders. Let's raid bullshit and eliminate it. Put the bullshit radars. Put them on. If it sounds too good to be true or too simplistic, then it absolutely is, especially when our body is concerned and especially where nutrition is concerned. And then if that wasn't bad enough, we then move into some of the weird and wonderful ways that many alternative practitioners have actually used to try and diagnose, and I do that with, you know, inverted air commas, candidiasis or candida overgrowth. 
now some are more wacky than others. I mean, probably the top of the wacky list has got to be this one. One of the old school techniques of diagnosing this condition was, wait for this one, getting a glass of water and spitting into the water. If your spit... I mean, the spit will generally float on the surface anyway because it'll have air bubbles in it. But if it floats on the surface and then long strings and tendrils kind of drop down into the water, that means you have candida overgrowth. Really? Really? Are you actually pulling my chain? Just depends what you eat. I mean, if you've eaten something that happens to have like a reasonably high polysaccharide content, any kind of polysaccharide content has got a slight mucilaginous nature to it and you spit into a glass and some of those polysaccharides are still present, you're going to get that effect. If you're slightly dehydrated, you're going to get that effect. That is no diagnostic criteria for anything apart from the fact that probably you're quite gullible. So that is the most wacky. And then you've got some of these weird and wonderful machines and gadgets now these really get up my nose as well where you've got these weird devices hooked up to a laptop you're holding two electrodes and this piece of obscure software is running in the background no one particularly knows what it's actually measuring they're saying things like bioresonance and stuff like that but it's all just kind of made up terminology that doesn't really mean anything in the great deal of clinical diagnostics and you will get a report printed out that detects certain imbalances and conditions and allergies and all this kind of stuff. If you read this report and take notice of it, you'll end up being a breatharian that doesn't leave the house unless you've got breathing apparatus. It kind of tells you that you've got a sensitivity to everything, you're allergic to everything, and you've got every condition under the sun, including green parrot's disease. So there's a lot of false claims, a lot of madness around this. Now, let me just say that there are some circumstances where candida infection can become very, very aggressive and cause a lot of problems. And these are patients that are severely immunosuppressed. So think very late stage cancer patients, think AIDS patients. These are the only circumstances where candida infection will move beyond just a normal kind of bit of a bit of a yeast infection and actually cause systemic issues in the body. And that's just because their entire immune system is starting to shut down because they're moving into an end of life stage. That's the only situation where you will actually get these kind of chronic candida infections that are actually have an effect systemically. 99 times out of 100, most of the effects that people are, most of the effects, the symptoms, I mean, that's that's the word I was looking for, most of the symptoms that people are experiencing that leads them down this weird and lurid journey towards candida diagnosis are generally just related to our modern diet and lifestyle. It's simple as that. So a lot of the gastrointestinal symptoms, you know, the bloating and the distension, the painful bloating, the you know, constipation and diarrhea, these kinds of things, generally this is just a little bit, you know, it's just a poor gut flora. It's a gut flora that needs to be a little bit healthier. The digestive environment just isn't particularly good because probably there is a lot of processed food going on. Someone's under a lot of stress. They're not drinking enough water. Maybe they're drinking far too much alcohol. They're not getting enough rest. All of these things that can influence the health of our microbiome. If our microbiome isn't healthy, then we do start to get localized 
digestive issues and also that can affect our immune function a little bit. The chronic fatigue, well, just take a look at the madness that we live in on a day-to-day basis. I was sitting in bed this morning with a cup of coffee watching Good Morning Britain and I wanted to shoot myself. The amount of nonsense and craziness that's going on in the world... If you get too involved in that, it will absolutely make you feel exhausted and really bring you back down to earth with a bump. The hours that we're working, the the stress, the congestion, the pollution, the, there's so much going on that is impacting our health. They're just minor challenges, they're just minor embuggerances, but when you actually start to collate them all together then all of a sudden you've got masses of influences on many different body systems that can leave us feeling exhausted. But if you pay attention to your diet and your lifestyle, make sleep a priority, make relaxation. That's well, I'm just making up words now. I mean, well, that's therapy in itself. Relaxation, make that a priority. Make your diet and your self-care a priority. Drink plenty of water, learn to manage stress, eat good food, get some exercise, the normal recommendations that we've been talking about for years will help you to cope with these stresses more effectively. My take-home point is is that most of the actual symptoms that have been kind of clumped onto this um, candida bandwagon are just related to other aspects of our modern living. Chronic candida infection occurs in very, 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 very sick people, a slight candida infection can rear its head as a yeast infection now and again. So there we go. That is my little soapbox about candida. Now, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was choline. Now, choline has obviously been in the news recently. There was a headline at the beginning of the week saying that vegan diets and plant-based diets are making us dumb, making us stupid, all the rest of it. Now, you know, I always put this disclaimer in here. I am not a vegan. I am not a vegetarian. I eat everything. But my stance is that plants are the stars of the show. So diets should be plant-centric. It's like what you have with your plants rather than what plants do you have with your meat, if you know what I mean. That's my particular take on it. So I do eat everything. So this doesn't really, uh, this isn't really like from a personal point of view, this is just another thing that you guys have been asking me about for the last week or so. So choline, it is a water-soluble essential nutrient, essential meaning that our body can't synthesize it itself. We need to get it from food. And its role in the body, it actually is involved in maintaining a healthy cell membrane. So part of the lipid structure that makes up our cell membranes. Choline is an important factor there. It's also important in maintaining the health of neurons, like the cells within the the brain and the nervous system. But then it's also important for acetylcholine production. The clues in the name, maybe. Acetylcholine. Acetylcholine is a neurotransmitter. It's a neurotransmitter that's involved in neuroplasticity. It's involved in learning and memory and decision-making and those kind of key uh, cognitive functions we associate with academia, with memory, with learning, with knowledge, that kind of stuff. So yes, it is incredibly important, but it's also very ubiquitous in the diet. Yes, absolutely, it's abundant in eggs, it's abundant in oily fish and in animal foods, but you also find it in broccoli, in Brussels sprouts, cabbage, 
peanuts. It's very, very diversely distributed within our diets. As long as you're eating a broad range of a broad range of plant foods, then you're gonna be getting it in. If you're really worried, then take a supplement. But you know, there is, you know, there's some kind of question mark over excess choline and whether it may help with the progression of certain diseases. Not gonna make any claims here. Go and do the research, folks. You know, it's that it's that one disease we can't talk about. Heaven forbid we talk about it. We get clapped in irons and put in the stocks and get three things thrown at us. But go and do the research. There's 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 a question mark over it. We can't say one way or the other, but potentially excess choline may contribute to the progression of this particular disease. So there we go, my little soapbox moment about candida and just my response to the whole choline issue. Choline, a broad whole foods diet. If you if you are plant-based and vegan, make sure you're building your diet around whole foods. You're not going to have a problem. So if nutrition is something that you want to learn more about, if you want to get deeper into this or actually start a career in the whole nutrition field but don't really know where to start, as you guys probably know by now, I have recently launched a fully accredited diploma in culinary medicine. Culinary medicine, this is the science of nutritional medicine. So everything that I talk about, everything that I talk about day in, day out, and everything that I do, the art it's the science of nutritional medicine, the role that food and diet can play in both health and disease, and disease from the point of view of prevention, but then also management and as a therapeutic tool, how you can manipulate diet to treat disease as well. Absolutely, this is a valid thing. It's a valid part of the healthcare picture. And then taking that science and applying it to actually planning meals and developing recipes. That's what this course covers. It teaches you all of that science in depth and then tells you how to apply it, tells you how to use it to plan meals for yourself, for your family or for clients. You know, this doesn't make you a nutritionist, but what this actually allows you to do, there is so much opportunity now in the whole world of social prescribing. Social prescribing is a new initiative that the NHS has got behind, which is really looking at the areas that of, of healthcare that patients can take some degree of responsibility in. And you may have noticed in recent recent months that your local doctor's surgery, there may be two or three in your area that are all under the same name now. These are called primary care networks. Okay, so they might, might all have the same name, but then their own unique location name as well. These are primary care networks. And within, within every primary care network you have between one and four link workers. A link worker is an intermediary. It's someone who works as a liaison between the doctor, the patient, and what's available in the local area. And some good friends of mine, people people like Dr. Michael Dixon, that are the real pioneers of social prescribing, we're crying out for more people that are doing something creative. So with this course, you can start doing things like workshops, you can start doing things like you can start doing things yeah like cooking for heart health workshops 
cooking to lower your cholesterol workshops. These are things that, that the doctor and the link worker can advise patients to go out and attend so that they know how to take responsibility for their own health. This is social prescribing, and this has actually led to brand new opportunity. And you know me, you know that I have a real passion for education and for getting good quality evidence-based education out there so people understand like what's true what isn't and how to use this stuff effectively and safely so i developed this course i developed the course the diploma in nutritional the diploma in culinary medicine okay and we've got it fully accredited so we're accredited by the complementary medical association we're accredited by the F- the federation of nutritional therapy practitioners and we're currently going through the accreditation process with bant as well once you qualify you can ap- apply to be a member of the cma and you can get insurance to work through Balin's insurance as well so if you want to learn more about this course you can even sign up for a free mini taster course as well head over to culinary medicinecollege.com that's culinarymedicinecollege.com that's the website you'll see me on there have a little chat about the course you'll get an overview of what it is and if you actually want to get a feel for it and see what it's like inside take one of the exams have a look at what the assignments look like also a video tour of everything that's included in the course then right on the front there you'll see the opportunity to sign up for this free course Get over there, check it out. If you're wanting to enter this industry, if you're wanting to do more, or if you just want to have that in-depth knowledge for yourself and your family, this will serve you very, very well. I know it is absolutely best in class. It's been a good 18 months, two years working on this project to get it to absolute perfection. We've got amazing guest teachers as well. We've got a leading gastroenterologist, Dr. Alan Desmond. We've got an amazing... GP, who is a advocate for food as medicine, Dr. Gemma Newman. We've got the wonderful Christine Bailey, who's you know she's she's written more books than I have, and you know she's award winning nutritional therapist, lecturer, broadcaster. We've got a wonderful team teaching you here. So head over to culinarymedicinecollege.com, take a look around. Jump straight onto the course if you want to, or take the mini course, the free taster course, and get a feel for what what is going on. That's it. I've taken up enough of your time. Have a wonderful weekend, folks. Until next week, see you later.